Hello, everyone. This is Terry Lynn Dupree, and this is Evolving Always Production. And as always, I love to bring in fabulous guests that just are super amazing beings. They're serial entrepreneurs doing well in life, who like to share what they're doing. And most of the time, they can actually help you to level up in life as well, because that's what it's all about. We're always trying to evolve. I have the phenomenal John Black on. He is super amazing. He's an actor, a musician. Oh my gosh, director, producer, <laughs> some of everything, okay? I mean, this just goes on and on and on. What can I say? Plus, he's just an out and out, just great person to talk to. He's very humble, very sweet person. Um, and he's even teaching his craft to his son, which we'll talk more about that later. But hey, John, how are you doing? It's great to have you on the show. Awesome. Thank you. That's a great intro coming from a great person. So <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. Well, first, I'm going to have to let y'all know how I actually, well, I technically didn't meet him, but how I knew of John. Okay. I went to a play of a friend of mine. Sadly, I don't remember the title of the play. I should. But I actually, the thing that I remember so well on that play was John and his counterpart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when they came up on the stage, they were so hilarious. Basically, <laughs> they were kind of like bad guys, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, one was super silly and one was like super serious but still funny and that was John and it was just so funny me and my husband just cracked up the whole time every time they came up on the stage so that's how <laughs> I first remember you but we didn't actually like interact then right yeah we didn't actually interact until I actually helped um same friend um get a it's basically kind of like a trailer like a small clip to go to uh you know movie festivals and things of that nature mm -hmm. and his son was one of the actors which his son was phenomenal i think his, your son was like five years old at the time right oh yeah he was a little guy then <laughs> <laughs> and he was super amazing and super professional and um a lot of people don't know even though it was a short clip that it takes such a long time for just like the smallest parts but his son was so professional and so on point every time that he had to do the clip. It was it was amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's how we kind of more so interacted. The other thing is, John, I love John's music. So, he has one um, record that I really love. Well, well, track especially, Fear. Oh, okay. You remember that, right? That I love yeah. That <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got a lot of feedback on that one. So, yes. Yes. I love that track because, I don't know, for one thing, it's old school rap and it's just got a lot of great, just, of course, the, the rapping is excellent. Um, the, the musical score, just all of it. Just really great. Um, but that is definitely one of my favorites um, from you. Um, Thank look, you. So, so, tell me more about you. Obviously, you were born in New York. So, tell me more about that. Uh, yes, I was born in New York in Flatbush, Brooklyn, and I stayed there till I was probably like six, maybe seven. And um, me and my mom decided to move down here because this is where most of her family is. Uh, originally from Goldsboro is where my, my family is from. So my aunt was already living here in Winston. Uh, uh, my mom sent me down first and then she followed after. And we've been down here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina ever since. And uh, from that point, once I got here, got acclimated, uh, probably around the age of maybe 14 or 15, I started writing poetry and poems and it just kind of evolved from there. At that point, I started really kind of immersing myself in, in the arts and the stuff that interested me. 
And the merch stuff you did, because you recorded at least 10 albums. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, once I got out of high school, I graduated, and the school I was most enamored with was North Carolina State. So um, once I got in there, went down to Raleigh, and I, I mean, honestly, I had my heart set on, you know, going there, doing well. But unfortunately, uh, they had a freshman talent show, and me and a couple guys used to kind of sing together in the stairwell and all this kind of stuff. And we did a, a showcase. And during the showcase, I wrote a rap for the song that we were doing. And uh, it went over and we won the freshman showcase. And the prize was to get to go and record a, a song in the recording studio that was literally right around the corner from the uh, the college. We went into the studio. That was my first time ever being in a recording studio. And that was just, I became like an addict at that point. So. Uh, it was hard for me to focus because all I wanted to do was go into the studio, record, record, record. So needless to say, that kind of sidetracked my college career and I had to come home. And uh, when I got home, I still wanted to do music. So I just started, you know, saving my money with me and my friends. And we had little groups and crews and we would just go record and record. And after that, you know, I decided to kind of we all did our separate things. And I just started I got my program because now it's easy to record at home once you learn things so i got a program i got a mic i just started recording at home and it just kind of i just never stopped and it just kind of evolved from there yeah because you help other people too right yes uh-huh i used to have my studio open but like once my son came and stuff like that it became a little bit more difficult my house isn't quite the mansion it should be yet but it's coming but to uh have my son here and then have different people coming in and stuff like that it just got to be a little too hectic so i had to kind of shut that down and i just focus on my music i mean if somebody called me and they need help with something or a project i can help engineer because i learned how to engineer and stuff like that i still do things like that but as far as like most of the music i do i record myself here at the house yeah, that's smart because the technology is out there and then AI is making it even easier, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All, you know, technology, then it was like a huge step up because the problem was before everything was analog. So you had so much equipment, this, that, and the third. So it was almost, you know, you would have to have a great deal of money to be able to record yourself because you, you would have to set up a whole like almost building worth of stuff now with software as long as you got like a good computer and an interface and a microphone you can have people send you beats high quality beats and music and you can just record yourself you just have to learn the craft of it you're absolutely right because that is going to become big and you're going to trust me everyone you'll be seeing a lot more of that because that's becoming a big thing because of course ai is making uh, musical lyrics and all of this kind of stuff so it's just gonna on and on but it's mm -hmm. good that you you have the background of like you said when it was very complicated <laughs> <laughs> yes you know? and definitely then, right and so now it's good that you've stayed in so you know even all the newest latest technology that's what i love mm -hmm. um so you said um little side note you love office and sci-field and i'm gonna just go ahead and say <laughs> Those two shows I love too. What what are what are, why are these some of your favorites? Um, the thing about Office, Seinfeld, shows like that, uh, I like. I, I'm a fan of humor in general, but for me, like the levels is, uh, I like smart, dry humor. 
so and and to a certain extent it's kind of like how my, how rap is for me like i don't knock all the new rap and stuff like that but for me it's just a little bit uh i don't know it's not quite as crafty as it once was like a lot of people used to put a lot of pride in how they would put their rhymes together and what i used to like what i really like is when people do like double entendres and this meaning might have a double meaning because it really made you pay attention to it so with humor i'm the same way like the office and seinfeld make the especially like seinfeld and the office too but more so with seinfeld it's like if you watch the show there's a payoff for the jokes that they make down the line so like if you know who when george says art vandalay if you've been watching since the first season you know what i'm saying that joke really hits home because you know who that is and how that evolved it's not just a one-off joke you know what i'm saying so i like humor that kind of builds and have like those little special meanings to them yeah and seinfeld i mean that show and, and when i say something about seinfeld because i'm a big fan of seinfeld and the office as well yeah. Uh, but when I when I say something simple and people are like, no, I, I don't like something, I'm like, you must have never really watched the show. Yes. <laughs> I think anybody that does not like Seinfeld, they may have maybe watched the show here and there, but yes. you brought up a good point. It's a build up with that show. Yes. And that show is just gold. It's genius. <laughs> it's, it's genius. Like I got the box set and i of course we have netflix so it's almost like every three or four months i watch the whole thing all over and it never gets old it never gets old and i was the same way with the office like when it was on netflix or if i find it someplace it's just one of those shows i can put on and enjoy like four or five years down the road the jokes are still funny the setups the characters i i like humor like that yeah and the cool thing about it is they had such a great ensemble cast you, you yes you really cannot beat it. it. It was like you said, uh, just a really great show. And like you said, the, the humor was really smart. But I always, you know, if somebody says they don't like Seinfeld, I'm like, you didn't watch it. You may have watched the show here and there. <laughs> and you were just lost. But that, that show is gold. And you know, another thing, and this is funny, you may or may not agree with me, but I had watched it very recently. Mm -hmm. And I got to the last episode. I just watched and, the last episode recently, too. Oh, okay, so get this. <laughs> I watched the last episode and I sat there and for the first time and I don't know if you felt this way or not, I was like, yeah, they did get what they deserved. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes! I said, I said, yeah, and I even said, you know what, this is how it should have ended. Because like, when I first saw it, even though it was funny, it was funny as hell. I mean, we know. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, did I, well, I want that to be the last one. I was like, mm. but then when I watched it again, I was like, you know what? That is for them. That was really the best thing. <laughs> it really, you know what? And I think that was one of those type of things that actually probably were you could almost say it was ahead of its time or it just it, I feel like because it was the end of the show like they just felt like you know what I'm saying we can we can go over their heads if we want to and they can catch up later because a lot of times during a show you you want the humor to might be smart but you might you know not be overly smart because you do have a people that you're trying to cater to and you want the ratings up so you walk that line I felt like at the end of the show because I felt the same way that I, I saw other people when I would see the write-up that they were disappointed with the ending but over time when I just watched it I was like 
no, but you gotta understand this is a very Seinfeld ending. Like this is this is almost encapsulates what the show was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, okay. You said it perfectly right there. It encapsulates what the show is about because for them, nothing they never really have happy endings because they always no. lose stuff <laughs> up. Every time something good happens, and that's the entire show. Yes. You know? And so when you say it encapsulates, I'm like, you're right because that's them. So, yes. <laughs> I, so that's why when I watched it, I said, "Yeah." I said, "You know," I said, "This makes sense why they did and they ended it that way." But anyway, yes. um, I want to, um, I'm going to do a little clip real quick. Okay. <laughs> Hang tight for a sec. If I can get the word, don't you love that when you're, you're trying to do something and then you can't? Oh, get you know, it? that's how technology um, is. It'll work for you 50 times when you buy yourself. And the one time you're like, hey, look how cool this is. It will not work. <laughs> Are you cheating on me now, baby? No, I never like that. I just came over. Go to sleep for a spell. I'll tell you what. How about I bring your favorite lunch home? Don't make me come over there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, I do love the Joe character. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I love the, the, the I, I mean, it's just so fun to me. I was like, Couch Party. I love the name too. Yes. But, um, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, I said, Joe is a mess. I'm not gonna tell too much about it because I don't like to, um, you know, spoil something for somebody. But you can see Couch Party. Yes. Movie. Yes. Free. Yes, so, definitely. Yeah, and and Joe's up, <laughs> Joe. John is up there <laughs> starring as Joe. But I, you, the way, okay, get. How did you come up with that accent? I mean, you really got it down. Talk to me about that, John. Um, I think okay. So first, uh, you know, shout out to Nikayla Knox, writer and director. She came up with all these great characters for us. And up until this point, moment, just to give a little backstory, up until this moment. I've been doing a lot of kind of what they consider urban street movies, which are fun. I love them. I like drama and all that. But I started to have certain friends that were close to me be like, you know, you always playing a thug. You always playing a thug. You, you don't get typecast and stuff. And I know this is coming from a, a, you know, a nice place. But knowing how film works. I had this film done a year and a half ago with a couple others that were starting to change some of the characters that I get to do, which is me. I always call myself a character actor. But when you first starting out, you don't always get to choose all the stuff that you really want to do because you kind of got to make a name for yourself and get people to want to work with you. So I had just started to get to the point where I was getting other stuff coming and were in the works. And when Nikayla had came up with this movie, now, to hear her tell it, she kind of came up with Joe or knew that I could play Joe because she was used to me still doing a lot of the thug stuff, too. But I did. I do a lot. I've done a lot of comedy skits, too, as as well as, you know, the movies I was doing. So I did this one with Kilo and Nikisha and I call, was called the uh, R. Kelly man. And so I did this voice in it where anytime somebody played an R. Kelly song, I would run up and give you a fine. And I was like, Kelly fine. And I was became this whole other character. And when she saw that, <laughs> she, she was like, oh, yeah, I want you to play this character, Joe. And she thought I was going to use that voice that I used for the Kelly Fine skit. But 
when I was when she broke down Joe to me, I immediately heard Country Twang, and so I just started to build on that. And since I was young and little and stuff like that, I always imitated people. Like when I'm by, I do Sylvester Stallone. I'd be like, I just do those things just to be silly. So this gave me an opportunity to really kind of do that, do that for in a film, and I had a ball with it. Okay, don't don't kill me. Do a do a quick Sylvester Stallone. I don't care what you uh. say. <laughs> uh hey, hey, Adrian. You know, I was I was feeling bad the other day. I, I just want the belt back. Yes. Oh my gosh! Talk, talking about somebody that really worked on himself. Uh, oh my goodness, he 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 was somebody that people don't even imagine how much he worked on himself. Um, yes, Bob to, to become the person that he is. But good job because that's definitely him in Rocky One all the way. <laughs> <laughs> my my silly version. Don't nobody take me serious. That was just my silly version of Sylvester Stallone. But it is. It's him. It was him in Rocky One. That is that's yes. High end, that's <laughs> but I love Rocky. <laughs> I love yes. all the Rockies. And I love yes. Him see something else but um what was i gonna tell you uh i definitely see the humor in you but i, I have seen you like you said play the thug and you of course can give that vibe <laughs> but at the same time i see you more so with the humor definitely mm -hmm. and you obviously must be a pretty good teacher because i want to ask you how did your son because he was five when i met him and he was so professional on set. <laughs> it was crazy to me. How did you do that? Um, my son is super energetic, just like any other kid. Um, and and for me, you know, I'm not overly pressed about it. I ask him, to, you know, does this interest you? And even at a young age, he always was music and everything. And he was already working at, on computers and stuff like that. So when it came to somebody needing something, you know, he would watch some of my films or see something I was in and he would be like, yeah, I like that. I like that. So I asked him and he said, yes. So as soon as he said, yes, because I, I love filmmaking and I understand, they always tell you when you're making films, two people you don't want to mess with, kids and animals. So I didn't want him to be that on somebody's set. So I didn't I was I didn't do Joe Jackson and just, you know, ah, 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 but I, I really did sit him down and kind of drill with him, like what film etiquette was to his level. You know what I'm saying? Where his eye lines needed to be again to his five year old level and things of that nature. So even if he went there and he was being a kid, he still had this notion like, yeah, this is kind of serious. Somebody's paying for this and this is something that you might want to do. So. You know, he had that. He knew I, there were moments I would be like, yo, let's focus. And he understood, like, you know, I was telling him beforehand, like, this is somebody's project. So you got to be respectful of it. So he took to that. And I was happy that he wasn't a, a menace or a terror and got it done. Not even close. Oh my God. <laughs> so professional. I mean, he was just a professional any adult there. I was I was so impressed by him and I was like, I said, that's, that's what you call good parenting there. <laughs> Thank I, you. This day and I said, yeah, you gotta love John. He's a great parent. <laughs> great parents, let me just go ahead and tell you. Because you know, it's it is it's a job and it's something we should be proud of, obviously. Yes. 
and you, and you took pride in it because it showed he was he was phenomenal. He really did a great job. Um, and I heard us uh, from my understanding he's ta- taught you how to skateboard recently. Talk to me about that. <sighs> he teaches me how to do everything. I mean, he hey, he might as well be teaching me how to act sometimes. If he sees something or like when we were putting couch party together, if he sees something, he gonna say something. So one of his favorite things for the last couple years has been skateboarding. Now, I was never a skateboarder, but I'm the kind of person that if I see something and I analyze it, I can kind of turn it over and maybe figure out how to do it. Don't mean I know how to do it, but I can probably like figure out what's going on with it. So he wanted to ride a skateboard so bad for two years. We went to the beach, we got him a little cheap penny board and um, I helped him learn how to ride. So him wanting to go to the uh the skate park all the time and stuff like that one of his friends dads does skate and he had an old skateboard that was really cool but it was like you know like what they call a cruiser so it's a little bit wider a little bit longer and it's not really for tricks it's just to kind of glide around it you know what i'm saying so when his friend gave him that he was like here you could take this one and you could come to the skate park with me i just saw it as another opportunity for us to have something to do together so and he enjoys Anytime he can teach me anything. So that was just like our little thing. We'd go to the skate park and I'd be like, teach me how to skate. So he, I showed him how to skate. Then he turned around and showed me how to skate. For real. Okay, first of all, for the people that are listening, that's a gem that John just dropped. That is something his child is never going to forget. <laughs> that, you know, obviously, anytime you spend time with children, they're not going to forget it anyway. Mm-hmm. But the fact that John, you know, took time to learn the craft with him mm-hmm. and, you know, it kind of made him a part of like, like he was a teacher and everything. He's never going to forget that. That's mm-hmm. going to be with him forever. And, and that's something we need to remember as parents. They're not going to remember, you know, how hard you worked and all the hours you worked. Um, right. To get this, that, and the other. They're going to remember the quality time that you spent with them. So I just want y'all to remember that because that's about evolving because we definitely want to evolve always. That that was great. I love that story. Oh, thank now, you. Now, look, I know because obviously you've done like so many records, mm-hmm. you were uh, with a guy that you were managing. Um, and I know this was a while. This was a while back. You can tell me how many years ago. I, I can't like keep up. I should know, but I just can't remember right the second. It's okay. But you were um, managing a guy, and y'all were in New York. And oh, he were... now. Hold on. He was managing me. Okay, oh, my, my fault. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's, I just wanted to get that part straight. But yes, I, I was with uh, a gentleman named Powerful, and it was like two other guys. Uh, Troy and oh, what's the Derek and Latroy, and um, they were shopping around that label. And sometimes they, I was kind of like the little brother to everybody, so they would take me on trips and stuff like that. And one time, I think you were asking me what uh, what was an interesting thing or a fun fact, and I was saying that um, I was struggling with that until I really sat down and started thinking about it. But we had went to New York and we this was before Jay-Z was really who Jay-Z is now. You know, so he was an up and coming artist that people had heard about. But he was, you know, he wasn't hove or anything like that. And we went to Rockefeller Records and it was kind of like a little dusty old building. They had like school tables in there and stuff like that. But see, this was when hip hop was real grungy anyway. So I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Walk in the office. 
and Damon Dash is there and um, he's talking to my, my guys and I'm just kind of like over to the side and he was like, hey, I want to hear something that ain't nobody heard. And it was, uh, he said, we found this chick to, to rock on this record with Jay-Z. We call her Fox. And he proceeds to play Ain't No, ain't no The N-Word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which was Jay-Z's, I don't know if it was his first or either his biggest single at that time. But, you know, the young lady went on to be Foxy Brown and we all know who Jay-Z is at this point. So I was kind of like there for that. That was so cool. And that was like, what? Gosh, probably, oh my gosh, I'm trying to uh, think. About over 10 years ago at least, right? Wait, this was in the 90s. <laughs> ja, you look so young. I even, I'm like, you were like a little kid in the 90s. What's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna have his um Instagram account. You'll see what I mean. So okay, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> that was a way back. Yes. <laughs> and I should have known it was that far back because you said where Jay Z was and then Foxy Brown. Yeah. Gosh, time is crazy now, right? Yes, it is. It's way like time is just going by so fast. And do you know, I just found out, and you probably already knew this because you're, you know, in the industry and know a lot of this stuff, but I had just found out that the Sugar Hill Gang was actually produced by a woman. Did you know that? Oh, she, um, she owned the record label. Yeah. Yes. She owned the record label that they hopped on and put out the first hip hop record. And, mm-hmm. had, do you know, I had no idea. Until recently, that's because Netflix does has has a special. By the way, guys, um, ladies first. You need to check it out. It's actually very informative yes. about the hip hop era, and of course, the Sugar Hill Gang is on. Like they are the ones that pretty much started everything. And in regards to, I won't say they're the ones that started. There's obviously people that you know came before them, but as far as really getting some big notoriety, they're the first ones. The first yes, group. everybody knows the Sugar Hill Gang. So I was so surprised about that. I was like, wow, I did not know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gosh, man, that is so crazy. Yes, it's, it is crazy. Um, A lot of stuff. I think that's kind of like maybe some of the disconnect with the older artists. Like I would say the cutoff is the artist from the early 2000s, maybe 2005, 10. And then going beyond that is is the fact of some of the a lot of the newer artists aren't even up on the history of something that they're involved in like they don't they don't know about the sugar hill gang and love bug starsky and dj hollywood and all of these people that came together they you know create an industry that they benefit from like they don't know the history of that and they really should check it out because something that I did not realize watching the show again. So like I said, um, check it out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Ladies First, if y'all aren't watching it. Um, but this is one part, as soon as I heard them talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh. So you remember Shot Rock, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, you remember how she did like the echoing thing? Remember when she was rapping? It was like a she had like this echo chamber going, and it was really it was really smooth. You remember that? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Anyway, um, Run DMC. You remember how they did kind of like the echo chamber? They got that from her. Oh wow! Yeah, they actually got that from her. So no, and she was back in like late seventies. Yeah. She was super talented. She was the first female MC 
mm-hmm. super talented. Sadly, she never made any money off that craft. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal. When I say this, this girl was phenomenal. She was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, she never made any money off the con. But that's going back to what you're saying about history. And I think that's really great feedback. So for people that are listening, whatever industry you're getting into, it's good to know about the history because sometimes looking back can help you create something wonderful with what you found looking back. So to yeah, speak. definitely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. So definitely um, check it out. Uh, the other thing is, what is something you want to tell people? Because you've been like this, got a lot of recording um, background. You've done so many movies. It's like every time I turn around, you're like in another movie. I can't even keep up. <laughs> I be trying. I like share when I can. I'm like, you got yeah. another movie. How many movies have you been in, by the way? <laughs> um, the last time I checked IMDb, I think it was around 43, 44. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I get surprised too because it don't. I mean, for me, you know, what I'm saying I do them, and then the process of making the film is like as just an actor, you you do it, and then you kind of move on, and then the the actual film is left in the hands of your director, editor, and stuff like that, and you're just kind of like on to the next one. And it's been times films have come out, and I was like, wait, I'm in that with them. So yeah. Yeah, and there's so much of a process I know that you can tell us about it because there's so much. So I, I highly recommend you definitely follow John, connect with him. He could possibly be a coach for you. He's an mm-hmm. amazing individual. Um, he could definitely um, help you out, you know. Um, he would make a great life coach for that. But, you know, obviously it costs some coins, but you know, <laughs> help does cost money. And it's, it's nothing wrong with paying for some great help. Just we do take donations. We will That's take right. donations. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, um, and I know you consider yourself a character actor. So, what's, what's, uh, in saying that, I know this is, what is it, the Screenwriters Guild? Are they still striking right now? Yes, they are. Um, it started with the Screenwriters and, once they really couldn't make any leeway with you know with the executives in hollywood um a lot of you know all of these guilds and things like that they kind of stick together because you know it's it's like all these powerful executives in hollywood and then you have the people that do the, the actual creating of of the art and stuff like that so once they once the writers couldn't get anywhere the actors guild decided that they would back the writers and so they went on strike you know what i'm saying and it kind of made that union more a lot stronger so right now they're just kind of you know i think the executives were trying to hold out because when while you're on strike you can't you know you're not getting paid and i think they were just trying to hold out and then when the actors decided that they wasn't going to do anything they weren't able to you know hollywood really wasn't able to move move forward with projects and stuff like that because a lot of scripts and stuff like that have been already written were already in production so they they had the luxury of kind of trying to hold off the writers but once the actors joined in now it's kind of like they can't really produce product like that you know what i mean so now it's kind of like one of those situations where at some point somebody kind of has to blink because nobody is going to be making money you know right now because there's nothing in production yeah, that's. Uh, I was telling somebody that the other day because when I was reading on it, and I don't know if they correct this or not, but from my understanding is Mission Impossible 
which obviously, I mean, Tom Cruise is no joke on this. He, he's, that's, uh, what do they call that? They don't even call it sequels anymore. They call it like a um, franchise, right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Possible franchise, which is super amazing because every last one of them is just super amazing. He makes mm-hmm. it that way. Um, they, there's like, uh, for the one that just showed, there's obviously a cliffhanger one, but they're, they're holding off on filming it, obviously. Because right. Going on now, Dead um, Pool, which everybody's been anticipating that, they're holding off on that. So there's like a lot of stuff right now that, you know, we've been anticipating that's, you know, being held up because, like you said, the actors are sticking in with it. Um, so I think that's good, I, you know, because we definitely need some great writers. That Absolutely. And I, I think to a certain extent, you know, um, people talk about AI and they're like, well, AI can do this, and AI can do that. And what people don't understand is as great as AI is, you still have to be creative to get full benefits of AI. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yes, because a lot of people think, well, it just takes the creativity. I'm like, no, you have to be creative because you have to prompt AI. It's a prompting process and it's not as simple as you can't just say, oh, write me a script, you know, and, and expect something great. That's not how it works. No. I want to prompt AI and, and kind of go from there. So really, when it comes to creativity, you still have to be creative. That's that's the go ahead. Absolutely. I'm no, I was I was agreeing with you. I was saying absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, I think the, the difference in between AI, especially where it is right now, I've, I've seen stuff, you know what I'm saying, that is really amazing. But somebody brought a point, um, brought up a point and I agreed with it. It's like you could, you know, prompt AI with a story to write a script. But the difference is like, it's going to give you the framework of a story. You know what I'm saying? Line for line, this, this, that being human is what gives everything because if, if you notice there's no real new movies there's no real new genre what we're watching are the same stories which is okay people will act like oh my god can't we think of something else we, there's millions of people on the planet and millions of imagination it's not really about telling a new story the thing about humanity is how you as an individual tell a story because usually no two ones of us have the same you know feel or you could tell the same story and now you can give the same story to me and you and yes we'll be telling the same story but you could put a twist on it because that's the way your brain works my brain works and that's the uniqueness of storytelling you know that's a good point because then what you're saying with ai that would be hard to do yes basically give the same span that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Now I will say this though: some things I don't really necessarily want to see done again. And and one of the things I'm having a problem with, and I don't know if you have a different perspective or not. And don't get me wrong; it's probably going to be good. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of feeling some kind of way when I saw that they were doing um um in living. I mean, excuse me. I was going to say in living color. Let's not go there. <laughs> I love that show, but that's not it. Uh, the color purple. The color, yeah. I was like, I was feeling kind of some kind of way when I saw the trailer to that. What, what I, you know, um, I'm, I'm of two minds of, of that because I, is one where, no, I really don't want to see the color purple redone. You know what I'm saying? But I guess the flip side of it is it's almost a testament to that story 
because you know every so often nothing nothing is going to stay the same technology wise and we did have a moment where we could like um re-edit stuff and make it look a lot crisper and in hd and stuff like that but there's every so often every generation you can see it now like i we didn't have social media when i grew up you know what i'm saying um now kids do so to ask them to have the color purple that was already shot the way it was to have the same pull on them today might be a bit of a and i'm not saying it, it can't be done i'm just saying i think that might be the mindset of some people in hollywood i don't think everything some things are just a money grab i don't think everything is i think sometimes people are just trying to update things for the next generation because i know like you know my son loves to watch movies he will watch some older stuff but for the most part like he's distracted like he's distracted by stuff i wouldn't be distracted by he he literally will watch a movie and be like an older movie and be like dad the frames it's only so and so frames a minute that's why it looks so grainy and that's why it's in 32 bit here and that and i'm like see like that was not even on my mind when I watched the movie when I was 10 and 12 and 13. It was the characters and did I like it and was it fun? They're watching so much other stuff on top of the story. So to get them to, to get into a, a movie now, it don't is it ain't the same thing that we had. And you can't blame anybody because time marches on. Things evolve. So they're not going to they may love movies, but they may not love them for the same thing we do. And then 20 years from now, his son might look at the stuff that he's looking at and think is great and be like, yeah, but that's not what we're doing now. So, yeah, I agree. Everybody has a different mindset. Now, I will say for my son, my son loves old films. Mm -hmm. He really does. Um, he loves period type films. That's something that he really draws upon. Anything based on a true story that's a period film, uh -huh. all over it. He loves it. Um, right. But at the same time, obviously, he's all in the technology, like as all the young people are, right? Now, he's not yes. social media, but of course, he does love YouTube. That's that's his only thing there is like he loves YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, he's not into Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, TikTok, any of those things. Uh, but, you know, I grew up loving old film, but I think part of the reason I grew up loving old film is, is because, um, you know, I was adopted. And my mom was actually old enough to technically be my grandmother. Okay. So, and of course she watched old films and mm -hmm. I watched them with her. And I really yes. enjoyed, like, I, I, like Casablanca, uh -huh. I, anybody remake that film, but <laughs> it works for someone. But you know, that's like on a top 100 list. Uh, Cause I know you keep up with stuff like that. Castle goes down as one of like the best films out there. And you, I don't, I don't know if you know about Castle you ever watched it. I don't know. Have I, I have never watched it, but of course, like in, in knowing about film and stuff like that, I know the place that Casablanca holds. And I know, you know, well, Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart, was it? Yeah, it was. Yes. And, uh, you know, kind of like Gone with the Wind and things of that nature. So I'm, I know what I know what those films are. I've gone back when I got into acting. Um, I went back and started watching older films and I started, you know, that's when I was in student phase. So it's like 
those things really kind of like captivated me like Al Pacino and Taxi Cab Driver oh, and, yeah you're talking the 70s yeah definitely. yeah you but know what I'm saying I'm tell you something John I didn't mean to cut you off I apologize no you good you need to see Casablanca and mm-hmm. I want you to see it without any distractions okay get back to you because there's a reason I know you'll like it okay I, I know you will Okay. Uh, and and when you see it, I'm gonna I'm wonder if you catch the reasons why I love the movie. But okay, that, some people love the movie because it's a great love story. Yes, it is. Right. But there's a lot. There's some stuff going on in that movie. Uh huh. Watch it, and you tell me what you catch on it. That that's gonna follow up for magic. <laughs> but look, um, but you know, even though I'm talking junk about it, I'll probably go right to the movies and see it. But yeah. but I was like, hey, <laughs> I, I'm talking about the um, color purple. Purple. I'm like, I cannot believe they're remaking that movie. But I think, honestly, for me, I think it was a money grab. I think they wanted to update it because they knew, you know, because bringing the old one back, they're like, yeah, we can get some money here, but why don't we just update it to, you know, get a whole new audience? <laughs> I mean, and you get like, like I said, like. I'm very much a, a stickler for stuff that I've seen that I love. But, like, I have to admit, sometimes I have to just make myself have an open mind because even the new one, just to give an example, uh, they redid White Man Can't Jump. With, uh, you know, remember the movie with Woody Harrelson? I did not know that. Yeah, it's, oh. on, Hulu. it's on Hulu. Oh, my God. I did not know. Is it good? Here's the thing. When I first saw them doing this, I, my, I was just like you. I was like, oh, my God, they're doing Why would they do that? It was Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. In the- Why would they do that? That's a classic movie. That's a classic movie. So I went and I watched the Hulu joint, and I was ready to hate the movie. Now, here's the thing that I'm, I'm my shift. It is not... A, the new one is not a classic. But... It was fun and it was updated and it was fresh and it had all of these new these new nuances to it. So I kind of look at them for what they are. Like it's just like when they did House Party. My only gripe is some of these movies don't have to be remakes. They just, you know, you could have called the new white man can't jump. He ain't got no game or something like that. And would it would just be your movie because there are very there's always very similar movies. The movies don't necessarily now color purple might be different because it's the color purple, but some of these remakes they take and they put in all these different spins on them. And I think the money grab part of it really is just the title because they know like House Party has a built-in audience once you call your movie House Party. You know what I'm saying? White Man Can't Jump has a built-in audience from the past. So you're going to get eyes on it. But technically, some of these remakes are just new films. And because they're similar to the old one, or they might have had it in mind, they're just using the title, which is the money grab part of it. Because really, really and truly, had they not called it White Man Can't Jump, I might not have even correlated it to that. At the most, I would have said something like, Oh, this is like a new white man can't jump or something. I would have said that, but it would have been an original movie, technically. You know what? Another gem that John has dropped. 
So for like, if you're in the entertainment industry, I hope you're really listening here. And I'm gonna tell you why I feel like you dropped some gems here. Back in the day, um, there was a movie called Imitation of Life. I don't know if you've ever seen it. So I saw the one that was done, I wanna say in the 60s, okay? Uh-huh. But an Imitation of Life was redone um, from another movie, but they titled it differently. Right. And it was done probably like the one that I saw was done in 1960s. Um, the one that they, um, you know, remade, I want to say was probably 1930s. Okay. I, title's totally different though. I And I honestly, I can't remember what the title was. Or it may have even been, I don't think it was. I'm pretty sure the title was different. So I think back in the day, they did do that a lot. They would make a movie and they would change the title and, and, you know, it's like a whole new movie. Yes. Because then it really is different. Yes. And, um, and that's a good point. So, you know, and, you know, Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. He says, sometimes young people are trying to create something new. Well, mm-hmm. really, you don't have to create, you don't have to create anything new. It's like, it's already out there. Yes. You just spin on it. And so that was a really good point about white men can jump because as we say that there's a lot of young people in it and you may be listening to this this you know podcast right now you're like Woody Harrison what are they talking about <laughs> you have no idea who's in there <laughs> what's his eyes <laughs> you know you're like who are they talking what movie are they talking about I've seen one of those, I don't know what they're talking about so you are so right about that um, just name it something else and and, and call it a day and it will I- work you're so right about that because if you think about it like if you think about it like i mentioned uh uh al pacino and taxi drop if you why and i did this on purpose i went because like i said i was in my nerdy film mode and stuff like that so i was like i really want to be up on a lot of these movies and stuff like that so i went and watched i watched al pacino's taxi driver and on purpose i went and watched the joker movie they're the same movie Yes, I caught that too. They are the same movie. They're so similar. They have so many similarities. Oh my gosh. I I caught the same thing and I was like, wow. I thought the same exact thing. And (laughs) the the director literally said that that Taxi Driver with Al Pacino was his inspiration for the basis for how he wanted the, the Joker film. And so, but when I read that he said that, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to watch this one. Then I'm going to watch this one back right behind it. And that's what I mean by just putting your own spin on it. Because these, you have two tortured characters that wind up going crazy. Basically, that's your thing. It's the same movie, but he chose to make... Robert De Niro, please forgive us. Because, you know, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, you kind of... I do it all the time. When I say I do it all the time, it'll be like a movie Robert De Niro's in. I'd be like... Oh, yeah, it was De Niro. I like Robert De Niro, but... Forgive us, Robert De Niro. That Sorry. Films. Yeah, so if, in case he happens to listen, right? Anyway. My bad. My <laughs> bad, Bobby. My bad. I'm just saying, you know, I did, I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, and then I said, oh my God, that was Robert De Niro. But No. <laughs> but yes, De Niro. And I should have remembered that because the other part that made me be like, this is so similar. And one of the point specific things was he took robert de niro had him in heat and i mean not heat but uh taxi cab driver and then made him play the talk show host in the joker so that's exactly exactly that's what i was like <laughs> i said man this is crazy i, I was, it was 
<laughs> and that's a good point. So yeah, but you know what? I honestly, John, I could talk to you all day, but you know, time is money, and I, you're doing so many things. Um, I'm pretty sure you got some more movies in the work. What's some advice you want to give somebody that wants to get into acting? What What do you want to tell them? Um, the biggest thing I would say is like just two things I would say. Anything that you want to do treat it like a job you you know you have you go to your job because most a lot of us go to our job you know it might not be our passion but we go diligently and we do the best job that we can you know say under whatever circumstances because the motivation is i'm gonna get a check and i can pay my bills but think about it you get up every day you go do this job you have people you like you don't like but you're there all the time and the motivation is i need to get this check so i can pay my bills so on and so forth. So when you get into acting, treat. Hey, there you go. So I know okay. you were saying basically <laughs> treat it as a job and, and yes. go carry on. I, yeah, treat it like a job. And my other thing is do your research. Like there's there's absolutely no reason for people to kind of walk around in the dark on a lot of things anymore. Experience is one thing and it's a great teacher, but we live in an age where I talk to so many people that ask so many questions that I don't mind answering, but it always baffles me because I'm like, you, you do know you could Google that, right? You do know you could go to YouTube and see what that is, right? So for me, it's like I always expect people to 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 look at things the way that I do. I haven't got a chance to go to film school, even though I would like to. And I did take some acting classes, but that was a blessing because the guy was giving them away for free. But for so long, I wasn't able to actually take classes because they, those classes really cost a lot and it wasn't in my budget. You know what I'm saying? But what I did do was I got a master class that was, you know, within my budget to get so I could go take an online class, you know what I'm saying? And I would just watch it over and over and over. It was Dustin Hoffman's master class. And then I went and got a DVD at the time that was the acting class with uh, another famous actor. And then I went and looked up on YouTube, like how to, how to act. And they'll have all these videos, but a lot of times people you know, they neglect to use the tools that's around them and uh, they just kind of wing it or they just, you know, have this mentality of, well, I don't have any, I don't know how to get the knowledge. And we live in a time where if, half the stuff that a plumber does, you can look up on YouTube and fix yourself. So there's no reason not to be knowledgeable about a lot of things. When we, we were doing couch party and you know beyond just the acting because i was a producer on the project me and the director and stuff like that this is the first time that we 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 know how to make films from a artistic standpoint but then you got to talk to people about selling your film how to get a distribution deal what's a fair deal what's the percentages so we had to basically school ourselves and the thing about it was you know the information is out there you can find it you you just have to want to you know and had the initiative to go look for the things that you want to know about. And those are the type of things that'll keep you, you know, give you some sort of foundation and longevity. You dropped a lot of gems there because this is that, what you just said is not only applicable to obviously if you want to get into acting, it's applicable to just like anything in life. 
Yes. And you know, and even though YouTube University, we'll call it YouTube University, right? Sometimes, yes. honestly, you can spend an hour trying to find one thing because there's a lot of bait and switch stuff where people For will sure. have are going to tell you something, but really they don't tell you anything about it. Um, and so sometimes it can take a while, but that's the cool thing about AI. You can literally type what you want in AI and they'll direct you right to what you need. Yeah, so, but... And those goes back to what you were saying about using the tools, right? <laughs> yes, but even with that, though, let's take AI out of the conversation, right? Okay. You know, you know how much, like I said, acting classes was quite a bit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you go to film school, that's they're they're very expensive. So let's let's weigh this. Um, even if you have to search for 30 minutes to find the right video, if you find that right video that'll give you the information you need, or Google the right term and it take you 10, 15 minutes, what's 10 or 15 minutes of time? You got to invest something if you want something out of anything in life. If you don't have the money then just know that you might be investing time searching for answers but it's not an excuse not to know because they 98 percent of what we can ask it is on the internet so it might be a bit of an inconvenience but hey it's a bit of an inconvenience if you wanted to go to film school and you ain't had the money and you had to work three jobs ago so either way what you put in is what you get out so you're gonna spend some kind of way so just be prepared whether it's time equity or money you're gonna spend so just be prepared to do that if it's something that you love i you know what i love that john i, I hope y'all are listening to that because that's powerful that's a powerful message for anything that you want in life anything mm -hmm. um so that's really a great tip um and i love what you're talking about as far as getting your movie produced and and getting content out there mm -hmm. super amazing um and i just wish you the best the best of everything because you are like killing it and <laughs> thank I'm you sure that john's gonna probably be coming up with some courses himself in the future i'll keep y'all <laughs> posted but i will definitely have his contact information there definitely contact him and um you know um also i did want to play your track but i realized it was on my phone so i can't play it I <laughs> it's okay Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Cause um, of course I have it on my phone, but I was like, man, I forgot I don't have it on my. I should have it on my um iPad, but I don't. Oh, another thing. So, what's advice for people that want to get into the music industry? And I know the music industry has changed a great deal because you were in it. You've been in it for a long time when it was complicated. Now, obviously, it's a lot easier. But any any advice you want to give on that? Um, if I give any advice on the music industry, what I really realized doing music, it's not dissimilar to the acting. It would be basically the same thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can switch the title on something, but we're still going to come back to the same basics. Like learn, if whatever it is that you're in, learn about it. Ask questions about it. You know what I'm saying? find people that know more than you and sometimes it's not about them giving you the answer but sometimes it's about them giving you the right questions to ask so once you find out those things go again go research find out what music publishing is find out what splits the songs are like you know find out what what masters are all of those type of terms and things of that nature are are the tools to be used in that industry so you could be the best rapper ever but what's the point of being the best rapper if you don't set yourself up in a position to be able to benefit from your product that's out there 
and again, the information is out there. So just my my biggest thing, to, I don't care if you're a brick mason, if you cut grass, just be a master of your craft. And you can only do that by, you, I, I've said this before and I repeat it again. It, you can't be in something and say you love it, but not spend time with it. It's just like a regular relationship, man, wife, anything that you say you love, you will spend time with it. And no matter how hard it is, you that hard ain't the same kind of hard when you're doing something that you don't want to do so spend time learning your craft spend time learning the business of your craft because those are the things that'll be those foundations for you that you'll have and you'll be able to really make moves and it's it's chess not checkers there you go <laughs> i i totally i love that wow man don't get it twisted Stuff you gotta do. You know, I love this track. Your biggest blessings on the other side of your biggest fears. I could be free to be me in a pinch for giving it. When I look at the time, it's been a bit for all the benefits. Hated it, wouldn't get it. Just tend to my chill temperament. Open the center middle. I'm sorry, guys. I just love that. You got a whole bunch of tracks. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But I, and, and the reason I, I have to point this out, and I know I've, I've talked to John forever, but it's just, it was one of those tracks the first time I heard it. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, when I like something right off, like I didn't even have to like listen to it a couple of times. It's like, as soon as I heard it, it's like, oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> That's so great. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining my show. I appreciate you. And remember, everybody if you were listening i will have um john's contact information definitely go to tubi and um check well he's got quite a few movies up there but the one we were talking about in particular where he plays um joe is called couch party yes couch party from laughs you definitely need to check it out because these people up there are just straight up crazy okay (laughs) (laughs) yes so much john i appreciate you thank you i appreciate you all right